Hello and welcome to the Moisture Farm Report, the Star Wars podcast that's built on hope. We are back for another week to discuss some more nuggets and corners of the Star Wars galaxy. My name is James Matthews, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Wheeler. How are you doing? I'm doing well, other than the fact that I'm feeling a little bit on the tired side mm-hmm. and a little bit on the ill side, as oh, I was talking no. to you prior to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not at my 100, you know, not my 100 best, mm-hmm. but, but this podcast is giving me a little jolt of energy uh, that I needed desperately this time. <laughs> I think actually what I need best is one of those medical droids that worked on Darth Vader mm. when he came out of the lava. Yeah. They feel like they would be able to, you know, right the wrongs and make me feel better. <laughs> Just kind of tinker with your lymph nodes yeah. a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cause, uh, or, or more like, you know, when you played Star Wars Battlefront 2, when you just went up to one of those <laughs> yes. and you just instantly just got like 12, 20 like, hit points yeah. restored every time. I feel like I need that right now. But yeah, um, how are you doing? You okay? I'm doing good. I, um, I actually got uh, a task or a question that I want to ask the listeners. Um, Ooh, because okay. I said a right. task and that feels weird, like it's homework. Um, but I was watching Rogue One last night in preparation for the episode we're going to do today. And I I need some help from the listeners because... I don't know about you, but when I watched Rogue One in the cinema, uh, you know on Jeddah, when Jyn Erso and Cassian bump into Dr. Everzan, that guy from A New Hope in the cantina who picks a fight with Luke yes. in the cantina? Yeah, the guy who says, um, I'm wanted on 12 star systems. Yeah, he's like, oh, you better watch yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know when he says that to Jin, and then Cassian kind of gets yeah. between them and like pulls Jin away? I yeah. distinctly remember when I saw this film in the cinema, that he said, you better watch yourself, I've got the death sentence on eight systems. And I vividly remember that, because when I heard it, I thought, wait, I'm pretty sure it's 12 systems. He's got, like, a lot of death penalties, or a lot of death sentences, in a very short amount of time after this. Yeah. But then, when I watched the film last night on uh, Disney+, Plus, that line wasn't there, and I've never noticed it was not there before. Um, But the kind of, the cut afterwards as Cassian came in was a bit, like, jerky. And I want to know. Yeah. I want to know if anyone else That's... remembers this line, or if I'm just going mad, or if it's like a Mandela effect. Am I in a parallel universe? You're certainly not, because I do remember that happening in the cinema. Interesting. And I would be really interested to know if it's the, still the case on the DVD release, because I've got the oh, that's Blu-rays a good shout. of Rogue One. I don't know if you do, but I will probably go back and listen and watch that now. You might even be able to find it. Like just a clip of clip of the DVD mm, release somewhere. That's a very um, good point. It's still in there, um, but yeah, I I mean I can't see any reason why he couldn't just you know go to four planets uh, in that <laughs> in that time and you know skip across them like hopscotch, kill a few people on the way, get a few death sentences. Um, but uh, considering he's a massive a massive criminal, mm. not to be trusted. Yeah, I mean. He probably did lie. He is probably a good shout that he did lie. <laughs> yeah, because it does happen sometimes when films come out of cinemas and if there's like a line or something that doesn't get a great response, they can tweak it or cut it before it goes to home release. So I'm wondering if that happened. I'm wondering if enough people were like, well, that kind of breaks continuity and they cut the line out. But I would be very surprised if I, they did. I I do know what you mean, though, because I when I remember watching that on Disney Plus a few months back and mm. there is like a it feels like a janky cut yeah. when Andor is suddenly in between them it almost feels like there's there was a little yeah there was a shot that was taken out of mm, there. like there's some frames missing or something yeah um yeah I, I can't remember exactly what happens but certainly Jin is on like Andor's next to her mm. and Andor sort of drifts a little bit and then it's Jin just on her own and she bumps into them mm. and then suddenly it's Andor in between them yeah so yeah I know what you mean. Because I asked my sister because she's the she's a bigger Rogue One fan than I am like it's one of my favorite Ooh. Star Wars films and she loves it even more 
and she couldn't remember it. So I've got one like vote for not remembering it and one vote for. So please, anyone listening to this, can you please get in touch with us and let us know if you remember this? If you're from the same <laughs> parallel universe that we are, please, please, um, uh, put James out of his uh, his madness. Yeah, validate my shoddy memory. He's he's going to go to sleep thinking about this. You know, you know the meme which is of the guy sleeping in the bed, mm. facing the opposite way from the from the woman yeah. who's obviously his partner. And he's like, "What is he? What is he thinking about?" And it's just James Matthews going, "God, I wonder if that was a. I wonder if that was cut out of the Disney Plus release." Yeah. Um, but on that note, shall we get into today's episode? So, Adam, today, what is it we're going to mm. be talking about? Or who is it? Whom are we to be talking about? Whom? Whom, James, indeed. Um, about whom yeah, are we had... discussing, I think? <laughs> I, we will touch on this in a second, but first, a song. No, um, we, uh, yeah, we thought that um, <laughs> we are going to be talking about a very uh, interesting character, which by the time this episode is released, hopefully, um, well, it will be on the tongues of everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. lips. Um, wait, tongues on everyone's lips? Is that? That's We've both loved a it? saying. Let's just roll with it. What are we? I just <laughs> let's roll with it. Um, we are going to be talking about the one and only Cassian Andor, uh, decorated rebel spy, um, and obviously one of the prominent characters in Rogue One. Uh, and I think we wanted to talk about this for a number of reasons. One, this episode is going to be released roughly around the time that Andor is released on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. So when it does, um, it's going to be, well, the character is going to be everywhere. Everyone's yeah. going to be talking about him. So we thought, let's let's learn a little bit about him. Let's speculate a little bit about the series uh, and dive into why uh, we think he's an interesting character. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's a good question to start with, isn't it? Because we were discussing Andor a little while ago, and I confess that I don't really find him that interesting as a character. And you were shocked. You were stunned. Yeah, this is my heathen moment. And I was joking, <laughs> had, wasn't I? Because <laughs> I was joking, wasn't I? Because with like the Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and now Andor, I said like these three Disney Plus shows have all been characters I've not really needed to see anything else of. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So you've you've yeah, you found all three characters like okay, Obi-Wan Kenobi, re- slight reservations whether <laughs> whether or not you actually did find him not that interesting. <laughs> but uh, out of all the three characters, which are you currently ranking as least interesting to most interesting? Oh, do I want to do this? It's got um, to be Kenobi. Surely top. I think after doing the research for this episode, Andor is top of the... Like, I'm most interested in him. Um, interesting. Then I think maybe it's Boba and then Obi-Wan. Interesting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So Obi-Wan is bottom... My, most things Kenobi, they are going to be ashamed <laughs> with you right now. So, <laughs> um, we, will, we will put out a public apology very soon. Um, it's okay. Um, I'm going to have to do a I, statement, I, aren't I? One of those yes, ones where it's written yeah, on yeah. like the notes app of your phone and you just screenshot that. <laughs> Precisely. Um, well, yeah, I I mean, I really... Yeah, it's interesting that you said that now once you've done some a little bit of research, you found him quite, you know, a lot more interesting now. Mm. Um, and... I've kind of always really liked this character, mainly for... uh, James, shall we get into, firstly, why I particularly like him as a character? Yeah, so you're a firm member of the the Church of Cassian Andor, aren't you? I am. I've, you know, I'm lighting the candles. Um, (laughs) I'm, yeah, I'm going... I'm going or going to mass every Sunday on behalf of him. Um, I've got a plaque of him above my bed. He's, he's, uh... He's one of the characters, I think, which typifies 
the the direction that I want Star Wars to be going in, and that is yeah. finding characters who are grey, mm-hmm. characters who are morally ambiguous and who represent, you know, he might represent one side of the argument, but he does things in the name of the faction or the people he's fighting for, mm. which are which are bad and which are not necessarily seen as good, but they're done for something which he reconciles with is for the greater good. And I think that's a really interesting point to go down because, you know, Star Wars paints its characters a lot, especially in the early series, as good and bad Mm. and as light and dark. Case in point, Jar Jar Binks, evil. (laughs) (laughs) Darth Binks. Um, Dexter Jetzer, paragon of goodness. Exactly, yeah. There's, you know, examples everywhere. Of course, there are nuances here and there. Uh, of course there are especially in the sequel trilogy we get mm-hmm. to see a little bit more and the book of Bo- um the book of boba fett and the mandalorian explore explore these almost um yeah these interestingly conflicted characters well i was just going to mention the mandalorian because when you were describing andor there as someone who does kind of questionable things but for for the good of the people they're protecting or the for their duty it did make me think of din Djarin, and one of your favorite characters is din Djarin, isn't it exactly Exactly. Um, yes, Din Djarin is probably in my top five um, of favorite. I think, well, actually, <laughs> ah, you might, James, you might have to look up my previous statements in our, <laughs> in our Facebook Messenger because I can't honestly remember if he's in the top five. We need or to not, write these down because I keep forgetting them all the really time. We really do. We really do. But, but what I also find interesting about Andor mm-hmm. is, and this ties in with this, because he's, um, I don't know whether we want to save this for a little bit of his bio, but. Mm. He started out as a separatist, didn't he? He did indeed. Do, should we get into it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Andor? you've already kind of opened the, the can there. Should we jump into it and get a little bit of a kind of flavour of who he is? Let's get a bit of a, yeah, let, let's get a bit of Andor going. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's do the Andor dance. Um, so <laughs> do the can-can-door. <laughs> Here a week, folks. I'm too ill to come up with a response to that. <laughs> I'll try and think one later. Um, I mean, let's, yeah. He, as I just mentioned, he's a separatist. Um, there's a lot more in. There's a lot more information here we, which we could start with, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to touch on this really quickly because we don't ever see the side, or at least maybe a little bit in the Clone Wars, but certainly in live action, we don't see the separatists portrayed that much as as good or from their perspective of trying to fight an overly oppressive regime, such as well, in their eyes, as the Republic. Mm. And I think that is going to prove a really interesting opportunity um, to, yeah paint the separatists in a little bit of a more nuanced view yeah it's it's funny in um the opening crawl of avenger the sith it says doesn't it about the the separatists in the republic that there are heroes and villains on both sides and i remember for years i've always thought like are there are there heroes on both sides <laughs> because all we you see, see of, yeah all you see of the separatists are people like count dooku and jango fett and the trade federation and you're like yeah. none of them are heroic but of course, all we, all we see are droids. Yeah, all we see are droids. General Grievous or it's Ventress, and like they're all villains. You know, you yeah, you don't get this sense that the Separatists are fighting for something for good. Mm. But uh, apart from who is the character in the Clone Wars that Padme meets um, on her little mission to the sort of the Senate version in the Separatists? I'm glad you brought um, her up because I was thinking about her earlier actually. Um, Mina Bonteri, the Senator for Onderon. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, so we do get to see, you know, someone who has a bit more of a, a lighter side. Mm. But like, well, I think we're, we're maybe going on too much of a tangent here. Back to I'll Andor. loop back to it later, don't you worry about it. L- L- okay, you note that. But coming back to Andor, the Separatists are effectively, when you think about it, they're on this 
and this is applicable to Andor, mm. when he says, I've been in this struggle since I was six years old, he's talking about the fight against the Republic. Mm. And what do the what does what do the Republic eventually become? They eventually become the Empire. Yeah, and they swept into a lot of separatist worlds and kind of occupied them or absorbed them back into the Empire, didn't they? We did we see that in the Bad Batch? There was uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but they were dispatched to a separatist or former separatist world to rescue a separatist senator um, after the Empire mm. had taken over his planet. Exactly. But you only ever really think of the rebels always as the good guys in this mm. fight. You never really considered the separatists as the fight because, yeah, the, your main protagonists are are fighting on the side of the Republic. Mm. You don't think of them as this overly oppressive colonial system, effectively. Yeah. But, um, not to get too much in, into the politics of the whole thing, <laughs> let's go back maybe to a little bit more about Andor mm -hmm. as a character. J um, James, do you have any information on him? Uh, yeah, so I I just pulled some facts from Wikipedia. Good old Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, so he was born on the planet of Fest out in the Outer Rim, uh, which is it's a little-known planet, but if you're a fan of Kyle Katarn and the Dark Forces games from the 90s, you might remember Fest because it first appeared in Dark Forces in 1995. Um, mm. And I don't think that was a Separatist-controlled planet. I think it was a Republic-controlled planet because it talks a bit about his family kind of protesting against the Republic. Um, right, right. It Perhaps says, it, does it, does it... Does it have potential to have swapped, swapped hands throughout the Clone Wars, maybe? Well, I'm not sure. I assume that he grew up on a Separatist planet and that's why he joined the Separatist cause, but... Um, I see, yeah. But it said that he joined a Separatist-backed um, insurrectionist cell which made me think that this planet was Republic controlled, but there were like kind of rebel cells on the planet backed by the separatists. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in the in Rogue One, when he said he'd been in this fight since he was six years old, it made me think like of a six-year-old kid, you know, with like a blaster rifle or something um, fighting off clone troopers. And I thought, wow, that is really dark. Um, yeah. But he didn't, he wasn't like kind of on the front lines fighting with, <laughs> fighting with super battle droids or anything. Uh, right. He was, as part of this rebel cell, he was mostly like harassing clone troopers by throwing kind of rocks and bottles at them, um, and at passing kind of, tanks kind and of stuff. Like a, kind of like an early Ezra Bridger, really, when you think yeah, of it. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities between uh, Cassian and Ezra, I think. And you're obviously just getting into rebels now, so you are you are now an Ezra stan, <laughs> I, as it were. I am indeed an Ezra stan. <laughs> I'm a stan of the entire crew. <laughs> of course you are, of course you are. I knew you would. Um, but I, I, I also have a couple of bits here that I want to just kind of interject with mm -hmm. he's, he's been known as a load of aliases throughout his time <laughs> um, in, through, and I love I love some of them mm. you've got you've got Willix yep you've got Ach <laughs> Ach Ach and he's got the, when he when he went on that <laughs> undercover mission to Edinburgh yeah uh, uh, um, he's called he's been called Joreth Sward mm -hmm. um, or, or maybe Sward depending on the pronunciation <laughs> and the code name Fulcrum that's an interesting one. It's very interesting because we all, uh, well, those who know the the TV show Rebels know Fulcrum as the name used by the ghost crew, the rebel cell, mm. and was used for, by Bail Organa to contact the ghost crew. Um, it was also used for a couple of other things, which you might want to touch on, because I know you were talking <laughs> about this the other day, uh, or we can save that later on. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just an interesting thing that, he was given this code name, and I don't know what, where in the, um, where in the timeline, it would fit in terms of him getting it before or after the Ghost Crew. I didn't quite check that out. I would assume it would probably be, well, I, I don't know actually, because I guess Rebels and perhaps this period of Cassian Andor's life where he's kind of 
just gone into the Rebel Alliance, probably around about the same time as each other, I'd guess. I'm unless just Googling that now. Okay, well, well, <laughs> as you do that, I'm just going to list off a couple of other things. Um, he fought, first fought against the Galactic Republic forces in 20 BBY, which was when, of course, he was six years old. Um, he also lost his father during the war. Mm. And there's an account here in Wikipedia that says his father was killed at the Corrida Academy during a protest against the expansion of Republic, um, the Republic military. And he lost his mother at a young age as well. And I think this is probably going to be key going forward into Cassian Andor, the TV series, as mm. to why he is, as a, who he is as a man and what's how he's been influenced. You know, this person hasn't just, you know, lived under a Republic regime and just thought, you know, oh, I don't like these guys, let's go join the Republic. Mm. No, he has a very emotional and a very painful reason and that is because his father died um protesting against the expansion of the republic basically turning into the empire yeah and you know he ended up like you said he's very much like Ezra Bridger in that way that he lost his parents because they were kind of standing up to the government um and he ended up sort of on the streets you can imagine him being like a kind of street rat or something and picking yeah, up on the yeah. rebels connection um is something I didn't realise that's quite interesting, is that Rebels is set in the year 5 BBY, which is also oh. when Andor is going to be set. So oh, they're going to be set in the same year. Interesting. So I would assume he picks up the Fulcrum name sometime after the events of Andor, if Andor is about him joining the Rebellion. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. I would think so. Maybe that's, it'll happen in Season 2 of Andor. Anyway. Um, yeah, the, we will see. <laughs> the the whole point about his his father protesting against the Republic military, I find really interesting because that kind of gives a a bit of a clue into maybe why he got into the separatist movement. Yeah, because there's lots of different reasons why people join this separatist cause, and we, obviously we know the reason it was started was because Sidious and Dooku wanted to bring the Republic down and bring about the Empire. But yeah. for a lot of people, there was like a genuine kind of political element for why they joined the separatist mm. cause, and. Yeah. Obviously, for a lot of people, it was, like, for very nefarious reasons, because, um, was it Zygeria, the slave empire, with the cat people in yes. the Clone Wars? They obviously yes. wanted to be part of the Separatist movement and leave the Republic, because the Republic had outlawed slavery, and the Separatists would allow them to do that. And that's yeah. a terrible reason to join a Separatist movement. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. you brought up Mina Bonteri from Onderon. I can't remember exactly why she joined it, but I think it was just this kind of general discontent with the Republic and its corruption and and the mm. road it was going down. And it seems to yeah, me there were a lot yeah. of people, yeah, like Cassian Andor's father, who were, you know, protesting against the kind of military movement in the Republic. Mm. And I think it's going to be really interesting also to see his relationship with Mon Mothma. Mm. And I know this might, this might be jumping forward a bit, <laughs> but I think this is going to be one of the pivotal relationships in the series, because as you know, Mon Mothma is one of the senators, the Republic senators, who eventually becomes... I, th I got that right, right? She is a yeah. Republic senator. Okay, good. <laughs> just, just Senator second. for Chandrilla, I think. Yeah. Okay. Let's pretend she know. is. Uh, let's do pretend she is. Yeah. Any anyone else want to message us? Just let us know. If anyone <laughs> says she's <laughs> not, amongst... you're wrong. Wikipedia is wrong. Exactly. Um, but the relationship between Mon Mothma is going to be interesting because she, from my mind, is someone who is probably on the side of wanting to rebel through pacifism or wanting to rebel through silent protest and through non-violent ways and i think i think andor is going to be on the op complete opposite side of that mm. and i think somewhere in the middle they're going to meet and i think andor is going to find a way to either either uh, fight or push back against his violent tendencies to find a com to find uh, that 
I don't know, maybe he maybe he encounters a, an imperial who is actually good, and he learns and he learns that through his uh, through his journey. And Mon Mothma equally is going to find out that actually, when push comes to shove, maybe violence is necessary to actually protect what you believe in. Mm, yeah, it's interesting because, like you said, Mon Mothma is a complete kind of opposite to Andor because I think she might have even been on the uh, what was it called in Attack of the Clones, the like demilitarization committee or something. The, yeah. the committee that Padme leads to vote against the clone army. So she is, yeah. right from the start, like not even in the face of a Septuist threat should we get involved in violence. Um, yeah. I, I imagine her and Satine would get on very well in that respect. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it, it's funny how you then see this transition into Rogue One when Cassian, like you said, does unspeakable things. And you say he probably would be willing to kill people. And we see that in the film. Like he does on um, the Ring of Kafreen when he meets... Yes. can't remember the guy's name, the, the informant who tells him um, about the Death Star plans and Bodhi defecting. He kills yeah. him straight away as soon as they get cornered and this guy can't escape with Andor. He doesn't even, Andor he doesn't even blink, he does it. No, he does there's, it straight away, there's yeah. this moment of remorse afterwards where you get a kind of look as if he's thought like, ah, oh, should I have done that? Or like, oh, that hurt to do that. But at the same time, yeah. he just did it without hesitation. There was the, almost like a yeah. callousness where, I don't know if you remember, he kind of he like goes up behind the guy and mutters in his ear like it's all right we'll be fine and then shoots him in the back and it's just so interesting as well to for a character like that mm. um to be to be investigated so much you know we're 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 so used to seeing these uh prominent jedi sith um in the later sequel trilogy the same thing um smugglers sometimes um uh, portrayed on screen but a spy i mean if we think you know we let's dig down a little bit into what mm -hmm. a spy or being a spy entails. Yeah, you know it's 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 dangerous stuff. It's going behind enemy lines, incognito, sometimes under disguise, aliases is aliases to uncover information and to do a damage uh, behind enemy lines mm. and to bring back information. Um, and that's what I'm really interested to see. I want. You know, it's it feels with the upcoming series that it's going to be this nail-biting spy thriller, mm. like something. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of examples what it could be, <laughs> but it feels like um, you know maybe the born born identity type. Oh, that's a good show. Yeah. Or um, definitely not James Bond. Knows. I don't think he's going to be driving like an Aston Martin yeah, no, speeder. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fascinating seeing another kind of genre, I suppose, taken on by Star Wars because we've seen a lot of, you know, Rogue One was kind of almost. Um, it felt like a sort of Vietnam War film, didn't it? With some of the ways it was yeah. shot, it was very reminiscent of a lot, of a lot of those films. And obviously Star Wars has the mm. kind of westerns and it has the fantasy quest and it yes. has all these elements. But I don't think we've ever seen, unless it's like a one-off episode of Clone Wars or something, we've not seen yeah. this kind of genre explored before in Star Wars. And I think, I, I think for Andor, kind of where maybe what makes him a bit different from someone like Mon Mothma is maybe like the other influences, because he was recruited into the Rebels by a guy called General Draven, who is in Rogue One, and he's the, the guy who gives Andor the order to shoot Galen Erso, not extract yeah. him, shoot him on sight. And if he's the mm. one who brought Cassian into the Rebellion, and he's the one giving Cassian orders throughout this, uh, throughout his period in the, in the Rebellion, you can kind of see how he'd get pulled away from the ideals of someone like Mon Mothma or Bail Organa, and down this yes. darker path of like, I, I just thinking about the cause, what I need to do, I'm not thinking about yeah. anything else, like bury my conscience underneath my duty. Yeah. And it's quite refreshing that, you know, this is someone who is probably, you know, he's not pulled in the directions of these big fantastical ideas of the mm. force, for example. He's got a very simple motive, and that is 
you know, he wants A, to enact revenge on his father, but also to, you know, liberate, liber- you know, liberate his friends and family yeah. from what he thinks is a is a oppressive order. It very much makes me think of a TV series called Turn, Washington Spies, mm-hmm. which was on Amazon Prime, which featured Jamie Bell, but it was about the agent Culpepper, who was one of the first ever undercover agents of the American War of Independence. Yeah. And it was about his story of going undercover under the British rule, mm. um, trying to get the information of all the imp- all the oncoming uh, British forces, um, which led to what led to I think uh, the capture of Washington. Yeah, um, and it's kind of got that kind of vibe, and I wonder whether they're taking influences from shows like that for this. That'd be interesting because I'm I'm thinking as well of this is a completely different kind of spy fiction, but the uh, John Le Carre books like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, yeah. And they are very much not a kind of thriller in that sense. They're more about the kind of yeah. quietness of espionage, like the, the quiet paperwork and phone calls and things. But at the same yeah. time, they're about this cast of characters that do very morally questionable things and yeah. almost like less about the things they do and more about the impact it has on them. As they kind yeah. of come out of like the Cold War, for example, and realize, God, I really sacrificed my morals for this. Mm, mm, it's mm. a similar sort of vibe where you see in Rogue One, he's got this this look a lot of the time when he does these things of like, what am I sacrificing for this cause? Mm. Because he must think I'm ready to sacrifice anything to bring down the Empire. Mm. And then he sort of realises what the cost of everything is when he's up on that ridge about to shoot Galen Erso and he realises like, this is not this is maybe not why I signed up for this, or this is maybe not what I thought this would entail. And he's only Mm. just kind of realising when he's at the end of that road. So it's going to be fascinating seeing him at the start of that road. I've got a question for you. Mm -hmm. When he's part of the Rebel Alliance doing these evil deeds, yeah. I wonder who he's going to be thinking of as, you know, where his home actually lies or where mm. his family lie. Because he's someone who probably is, like a lot of great, you know, a lot of great protagonists are, they've lost their home or they're, they're struggling mm. to find where their identity lies. They once were one part of a planet under a separatist or, or republic rule that he doesn't believe in and then maybe he's now no longer part of that he's lost his his maternal and paternal families and he's fighting for a cause that potentially he doesn't you know maybe he doesn't believe fully in what he does for them yeah. maybe he resents maybe he resents the rebellion Ooh. so you know where does where does his allegiances or his you know where does his heart really lie that's a good question cuz like you said pretty much every star wars protagonist has kind of lost or been taken away from their families right Sort of yeah. Luke has lost his family. Leia loses hers. Um, Ray obviously yeah. doesn't yeah. have hers. Anakin's been taken away. Mm. Ezra, even like Ahsoka and Obi Wan, they don't have their family because they were taken away as children. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's yeah. it's funny how that's a running theme. Um, but I guess I'm just thinking about it a lot of the time with a lot of those other characters. It's kind of how they then, like you said, where they find home and where they find family. Yeah, I wonder if he doesn't find that until he meets Jin and the rest of the crew. Because, I agree. Because I yeah. think when he meets Jin especially, he sees someone who is kind of a mirror of him. Someone who has sort of lost all of her yeah. world and her family to the Empire and is just drifting and like... Because I think he even says at some point, I think it's before they go to Scarif, he says to her, like, welcome home. As in kind of, you yeah. know, the rebellion is your home. And it's yeah. almost an admission of like, she's been pretending that she doesn't need a home for all this time. And now she's found it. She's realized like, actually, this is really fulfilling. I've got a group of people here who care about me and who are my family. And I'm wondering yeah. if Cassian almost was saying that to himself, because I don't know whether he would have that yet. 
mm. with the rebellion. Mm. I, I just, I just wonder whether he will. I just wonder whether he's the type of person who would see the rebellion as a, as a means to an end. Mm. You see what I mean? Or whether he, or whether he genuinely sees them as his family. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think he maybe would find a bit of like, um, I don't know, kind of like brotherhood or sisterhood with some of the other rebel fighters. But I'm kind of thinking as well about like General Draven's character, the guy who recruits him into the rebellion. And I don't know off the top of my head if Draven's going to be in Andor at all. But I would yeah. imagine this character could present like a kind of very paternal uh, role model or a father figure to Andor. But yeah. in the sense that he... In the context, you know, that he's recruited Cassian into this rebellion and given him these terrible missions to do. Yeah, That's obviously not like a kind of healthy sort of father figure. No. It doesn't no. present like a kind of family vibe to him. So I wonder whether he doesn't really see the rebellion as a family early on. Like you said, if it is just a kind of means to an end, it's just a way of getting rid of the Empire. And what comes mm. after that, we'll think about that later. Mm, mm. Yeah, oh, that's really well, interesting. Where, what do you think? I think he's the type of person who will probably... He will probably find his family in the immediate rebel cells that he meets. Mm. In, in, in the start of his journey. So, for example, I think that the, the very beginning of Andor is going to be him finding these connections and these and these people who he trusts and he believes in mm-hmm. and that he thinks are fighting for him and the same cause and that they have each other's backs. Mm. And I think somewhere along the way he's going to be he's going to be brought into the wider rebellion machine. You know, I think there's a big distinction between being your own sort of your own disorganized rebel cell um, detached from the rest of the rebellion to being br- brought in mm. to this wider political machine, which I think someone like Andor would probably not see that much interest in. I think he's very much the type of person who would go, you know, I'm doing this for myself. I know what I'm doing it for. Just give me the job and I will do it. I am not cared about all this political infighting with the rebellion. Just send me on missions. So I don't know. I, I, I think that I think he's certainly going to be the type of person who finds it in his comrades, his immediate mm. comrades. There's probably going to be like a few soldiers or spies which he, which he will find, he will find home in somewhere. Um, but let's um, maybe park that to one side mm-hmm. and maybe finish off the episode with some speculation or things that we're going to be interested or looking forward to about the Andor season or series. Um, and I'm going to start off with one thing, okay. which sort of ties in with some of the things we've already talked about and is the the perspective of the separatists mm-hmm. i would really love to see order 66 from the perspective of the separatists ah interesting so we never really see or at least we don't see a lot of the droid shutdown order do mm. we we don't really see the effect the immediate after effect of that especially on you know the towns and cities that they were protecting yeah and i know that you know one wants to think that as soon as that happened, clone troopers would come in and, you know, quote unquote, um, you, you know, um, uh, liberate them. Mm. But I'm not quite sure that would that might be the case in this if we do see it. Yeah, that's oh, I've never thought about that actually. Yeah, what it must be like because a lot of those battles are still ongoing when Anakin shut the yeah. the droid army down. Like um, not Mustafa, he was on Mustafa. Like Kashyyyk, for example, was still a, an ongoing battle. Um, yeah. What? It, yeah. What it must be like for in the middle of that, the droids just suddenly stop, and on some of the planets where they had living separatist fighters alongside them, to just suddenly yeah. have your droid army stop. Mm. That must. Oh, that must be a terrifying thing. Actually, if you're on that battlefield, it must be terrifying. The loss of the droid units would mean that Andor couldn't fight back against the clones. Yeah. 
maybe maybe the droids were you know a, a buffer a protection of sorts for his mm. early days and his early insurrections um so that i would assume a droid shutdown would damage his mental state and would be a devastating loss in his eyes and would cause the occupation of whatever planet he was living on mm. at the time because i imagine like as a child if he was born what's it 26 bby so he'd be seven when the clone wars ended i think yeah yeah he'd not be old enough to kind of have any power to do anything about that it would just mm. be you know that would be devastating wouldn't it that like you've been fighting against the republic occupation of your planet and now suddenly the chance of fighting that is gone yeah um is there is there something you're looking forward to or excited about yeah so one of the one of the things i find really interesting about cassian's character now i've done a bit of research is the fact that he was a separatist and a rebel because i'm wondering how those two things kind of reconcile in his mind because the the rebellion right its official name is the alliance to restore the republic that's its one goal it's to bring down the empire and bring back the republic so i'm like what is it like for cassian on there considering he was fighting against the Republic for a, yeah. a very distinct cause to separate from the Republic and not be part of the Republic. So now we're fighting alongside people like Mon Mothma and Bail Organa, who are, you know, they are former Republic senators. Their goal is to restore this Republic he wanted to destroy himself. And yeah. I'm kind of wondering, you know, how that's going to be resolved in the show. Is he going to... Has he renounced being part of the Separatists? Um or is he just, like you said, is the rebellion just a means to an end where he recognises the evil of the Empire? But it's like, yeah. once we take that down, then we'll decide what goes up next, what replaces it. Mm. Um, or I'm just wondering as well, yeah. is it maybe that... I don't know, because like, as a six-year-old, is he really going to be a, like, a committed separatist? Or like committed to the ideals of the separatists? Or is it just that his parents were and he's kind of just brought up in that environment and in that with those kind of ideas around him and he soaked them up and maybe he just kind of let go of them as he grew older i don't know i'm really interested to see yeah where that comes up if that comes up and how he kind of puts those two ideas together in his mind that he's in a way kind of fighting to restore the same thing that he was trying to defeat the first time that's really interesting or 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 is he even thinking about that Mm. is he thinking about making it making it out of this or is he just on a death wish for for the entire, entire series yeah, maybe he doesn't you know, care what I, comes next. He's like, I'm just going to fight until I can't fight anymore. Exactly. He's lost everything else. Yeah. So he doesn't care about what happens to him. Um, which I think is effectively what happens at the end of Rogue One, right? Mm. I mean, he's every everyone he knows is gone. And he's and partly the fact that he goes in on that last suicide mission is also because he's done the most unspeakable yeah. things. And he doesn't want any of that to go to waste. Yeah. He wants, he wants them all to have been for something. Mm. But I suppose... Well, yeah, I mean, actually going on from... Well, if that, we're taking that from account, maybe he does want to make it... He obviously does want to make it out, but I don't know. I think <laughs> I think a lot a lot of these characters or these soldiers, quote-unquote, mm. don't... Yeah, they, I think they're very much... You know, they, 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 they want to make it out, but I think they, they don't... I think they're... Oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, James. I think you know where I'm going with this. I think I do. I think they don't ultimately... They don't care what happens to them. Yeah. Which, yeah, indicates he he doesn't care if he dies. Any, but <laughs> anyway, uh, another thing mm-hmm. that I'm looking forward to is but the potential for cameos. Oh, right? okay. Who are you we thinking might, of? Well, we might get a load of them. <laughs> you know, they, we could get Bail Organa. We could. Turn up. Good old Jimmy Smith. We could. We could get, as you said, um, General Draven mm-hmm. up here again, as he's the one who recruited, which would be nice to see some Rogue One faces. And 
obviously, as we mentioned, it's a similar time to when the Ghost Crew were operating. <laughs> James, imagine if somehow we got Chopper in this. <laughs> you really want a live-action Chopper, don't you? Oh, I just want it. I just want to see this droid in live-action swearing and blowing stuff up <laughs> by the millions. It would be incredible. Just, uh, yeah, imagine like him just sweeping in, just coming up to K2SO, which, by the way, we could get a K2SO origin story here. Just putting that out yeah. there. And... Uh, <laughs> maybe we're, we're not I'm afraid <laughs> oh James really yeah Alan really? Alan Tudyk has said he's not in the show and even though everyone says they're not in the show I believe this one um, because there was a comic that said how Cassian and K2 met and it's set like three years later Damn it. so Damn it. I'm afraid K2 if he is in the show he's going to be as an imperial droid I'm very sorry about yes. that that's okay. I'm very sorry. Just crush my, just crush my dreams like that. But going back to Chopper, <laughs> but... because the ghost... I, are you aware of this? The ghost was in the Battle of Scarif. Yes. So... Yeah. There was There is that little shot of it, like the bottom of the screen. Yeah. So yeah. they're around at this point. Go on. Put them in there, you cowards. Do it. Do it. Absolutely do it. It'd be amazing. Even if we don't, even if we don't see the crew, let's just see the ship. Yeah. I... Um, that would be, be enough. And also then just show the crew, because we want them to. Yeah, yeah, go on. I want yeah, Hera. Yeah, I want live-action Hera Syndulla. Yes, yes. Well, she was a big part of the Rebel Alliance, wasn't she? So yeah. she would be... I mean, there's... Well, you know, she could be, well, you know, around and about the place. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I think we've... Uh, yeah. So just to sort of conclude, mm-hmm. as I think... <laughs> it's probably... We've reached almost a good point with this, is that I think now, James, we are both extremely excited about Andor, and this is going to be the greatest show in the history of <laughs> Disney ever. Well, I have seen a lot of people saying this is going to blow everything else out of the water. Um, but it, yeah, but it also has the capacity to be just good, and that is okay. Exactly. Well. But there's a lot of other people as well that are really excited about this show, and we did take to Twitter to ask why people are so excited about it, what they love about Cassian Andor. Partly for me, because yes. I wanted to see why other people like him, so I was like, nah, I don't really get it. What is the big deal about Cassian Andor? Um, so we got a few responses, and I just want to round off things by reading those out. Uh, so we got one from at T-Dragon 3000 who said, I love how he's a conflicted soldier who thinks before he acts and sees the good in people even when they've done bad things. I hope we see how he came to be like that in Andor. And also Diego Luna is hilarious, which I've seen interviews with him. He's got like comedic chops and I'm hoping we get to see a bit more of that in the show. Because nice. there's not nice. a lot of comedy yeah. in Rogue One from him. It's mostly K2. Yes. Um, yeah. At Fet Rules said he's a true hero who does whatever needs to be done no matter the cost which we definitely mm. uh, agree with. And yeah. at Galactic Drama 1 said he did some morally questionable stuff but was able to recognise what he was. His gathering of all the other morally questionable guys to go on what was effectively a suicide mission shows that he believed on some level in a pure and noble rebellion. That feels like a nice note to round things off on. That is a really nice note to round things on. Uh, round things off on. And thank you for all of you who submitted those. Those are absolutely fantastic. And it... From what I from what I've seen mostly on Twitter, I think mm. a lot of other people share our excitement for this, and it's a shame that it's sort of come off the back of Kenobi, which was the <laughs> biggest hype storm in in Star Wars history, give, apart from you know the release of the sequ- first sequel mm. trilogy film. But um, so obviously this is not going to have that same feel. But I think there's a lot of people who appreciate this new direction for 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 characters and for story, mm. and maybe would appreciate the idea of bringing bring the stakes maybe a little bit more down from big wide sort of <laughs> the force level stakes to a much more human perspective mm. uh, human perspective that doesn't make sense i know but what you a mean more, you know 
You know what I mean. Bring it down so, to the people on the ground. Exactly. <laughs> Bring it back to the people. Star Wars for the proletariat. <laughs> uh, seize the means of seize the means of the rebellion. <laughs> um, but let's round this off and close this episode. Well, Adam, we have come to the end of our and or discussion, but before we wrap things up, I've got not just some tweets from from listeners to read out. I've got some lovely okay. reviews from listeners to read out, which oh, fantastic, brilliant! Yeah, we all, we love a good review, don't we? Yeah, and I I'm really sorry if you left these like months ago because after a point in season two, I kind of forgot to check for any of them. So they may be new, they may be very old. Um, <laughs> very okay. sorry to all of you if they are. Uh, so we got one from Rural Farm Boy, our good friend Rural Air. Our good friend, Rural Farm Boy, that's hard to say when nice you can't one. do ours very well, uh, <laughs> who said, Adam and James have a grand time covering Star Wars topics from all across the galaxy. Be sure to make a spot for the Moisture Farm Report in your playlist. Our other good friend on Twitter, Nat of Naboo, said it's always so much fun listening to this podcast, and if you're a hardcore fan or a casual fan, it's so cool to get to learn interesting facts about the Star Wars universe. Thanks for making the best podcast ever. Thanks for being the best fan ever, Nat. We're, I'm, I'm yeah. officially declaring you best fan ever of the podcast. Yes, you you will have a uh, you have the official title. Uh, you can put that in front of your name whenever you want. And <laughs> yes, and uh, when uh, yeah, and we uh, look forward to having you tune in to more episodes and keep keep uh, keep on the engagement because we love seeing you pop up on Twitter. Yeah, so thank you very we'll much. We'll send you the medal in the post. It may take years to arrive. Um, and last <laughs> of all, from not Banff or not BAMF. Uh, who said, I'm not even a Star Wars fan, but this show is a lot of fun and easy to relate to. The production value is a solid A+. Thank you very much. The what-if elements are brilliantly imaginative. I really dig this. So thank you, all of you, for giving those reviews and those ratings. We really do appreciate it, and it helps us grow the podcast. It helps us know what to do next, what you enjoy. Uh, So if anyone out there wants to leave a review, follow their example, because those are good eggs. I mean, just, just, I mean, production value A+. That is very generous. Oh, that is yeah. very generous. I mean, thank you very much. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, we do, we definitely uh, do aim to please, but uh, that is that is really nice to hear. <laughs> um, certainly, certainly, I always, you know, I love the podcast. Uh, I love what we do, and the fact that we get sort of, and James does as well. And when we get those kind of feedback, there, it generally does make us feel really happy about the fact that we do this, and it's great to see that it brings a lot of you joy. Mm. So thank you very much. Here, here. But we want to know, <laughs> to close this off, what you thought about Cassian Andor and the upcoming show. Let us know your thoughts on social media at Moisture Farm Rep, or you can send us an email at moisturefarmpod at gmail.com. In fact, if you have any suggestions about topics, characters, or places in the Star Wars universe that we should discuss, send them our way too. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Wheeler underscore deals. And I'm at James16Matthews. And if you like this episode, why not subscribe? Leave us a review on your platform of choice. And if you want to support the show, you can literally buy us a cup of Jawa juice at buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisturefarmrep. Thank you for listening to James and I. We will be back next time to discuss more of the incredible universe that is Star Wars. But until then, we will see you next time on the Moisture Farm Report.
cup of Jawa juice would go down really well right now. Oh, yeah, I could murder a cup of Jawa juice. I'll go, I'll go put the kettle on. Oh, nice. 